All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunked. My name is Scott, coming at you live from the Last American Vagabond Studios here in historic Franklin, Tennessee, and I'm super excited about tonight's episode, guys. It's a very solution-focused episode tonight, so uh, strap in and get ready, and uh, let's see, real quick, though, man, I just had all this pulled up, and then I had to log back out. Oh, I don't want to pull up my, okay. Sorry, guys, we're doing it live, we're doing it live. All right, so if you guys want to support the show and follow the show, and if it's your first time watching the show, head over to rebunk.news where you can sign up for the uh, email list. That way you get notifications when I go live. Um, best way to keep up to date with the show. Uh, besides from the Telegram channel, the other way would be t.me forward slash rebunked pod. Um, there's links to all of this on Rebunk News. So if you need any of these links that I'm talking about, please go to the website. Um, if you want to support the show, I do have a give, send, go. Uh, give, send, go forward slash rebunked. And there's a link at the top of rebunk.news. Um, another great way is the monthly subscribe stars, like five bucks a month helps keep the ship afloat. And then of course there's a t-shirt shop, right? So we've got several different designs. We've got can't depopulate an idea. Compliance is violence or a shirt that just says build. Cause we're all about building around here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I see false flags, you know, especially these days guys with the whole, uh, billion dollar Alex Jones verdict, you know, why, why not represent around town with an IC false flag shirt, right? Really, really get under their skin. So, uh, make sure you follow and support or follow on all uh, podcast players. Just type in rebunk and subscribe there. And then, um, if you guys, uh, there's uh, affiliate links in the episode description for Richard Grove's autonomy course or truth TRS heavy metal detox spray. So, all right, I'm getting these quicker and quicker as we go along. So you guys, uh, without further ado, joining me tonight is, uh, Adam, Adam Stevens, all the way from uh, Missouri Ozarks, joining us to talk about relocating and crushing. So, Adam, how you doing, man? Good. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, so, thank you for having me on, or thank you for coming yeah, on. So, um, so uh, I met you. Uh, so, okay. So let's back it up a little bit. So, I first heard you on uh, Owen Benjamin's live stream, and you you came on and you were talking about uh, kind of your history and background, like like leaving kind of the corporate financial world. To where you're at today and i thought it was such a fascinating story you know and i think a lot of people you know one of the things we talk about on this show a lot is just the idea of you know building community um it's something that i was really involved in like prior to you know even finding bertaria or the bear community it was something that i felt like deep in my heart that was really really important to to combat all the craziness that was happening particularly with covid especially the next level you know and then I got, you know, got involved with this bear community. I'm just like, God, this is amazing, man. Like, this is what it's all about. And I feel like my journey has been kind of that where I've like, in a lot of ways, kind of just stumbled into a lot of this stuff. I really have. Like, I accidentally kind of started a business and uh, <laughs> I got in the, in the entrepreneur world, you know, so I feel like a lot of like I was blessed with that. So we'll get into all that. But, uh, you know, I feel like like both of our stories kind of do have some similarities, even though you're crushing way harder. <laughs> like, I'm just like in awe of <laughs> your story and what you got going on. So, like, you're a huge source of inspiration for me in a lot of that way, in, in that way. But, um, you know, I feel like our stories do parallel each other just from the fact that we both came from, like, the same town. And when you when you shared about how you came from Eugene, Oregon on the stream, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, we, I, mean, I got to have him on for a chat. So, anyway, Adam, let's, let's back it up and just, just tell me a little bit about, like, uh, kind of, just you know, introduce yourself, tell you what you got going on, and then maybe we'll just like get into your story a little bit. Sure, man. So Adam Stevens. Uh, we're right now north of Kabul, Missouri, so Texas County, one of the uh, lowest population densities uh, in the state, which is great. Um, I do a lot of things. You know, we have a construction company, Ozark Legacy uh, Contracting. We do about everything out here. Um, you know, renovations, remodels, ground up. All that fun stuff. Um, 
at the same time, we have our farm, Piney Creek Farm. That's kind of why we originally uh, moved, is we wanted to give the farming thing uh, a real good shot. So we do that. It's uh, mostly raw dairy and pasture-raised organic meats. And then while we were at it, we decided to start a seed company, because why not? And that's uh, Grateful Harvest Seeds. So we do uh, a little bit of everything, not to mention all the you know hobbies and whatnot that we've uh, accumulated along the way. Yeah, man, that's so cool. That's so cool. So, um, so let's start, start back, like to back. So is this kind of in Oregon was when, when you first kind of just started to like realize something weird was going on? Like when, when was this? Like, no, that was actually, uh, in Austin, Texas, which okay. is, uh, where we were at before, um, before we were in Oregon, we okay. moved to Austin in 2008 and, uh, we had our first son in uh, 2011 and it was right up leading to that time that we started to kind of wake up and uh, funny enough it was actually uh you know alex jones being in austin yes that kind of got us on that that bandwagon to start with you know there's something going on and then it just kind of evolved from there over the next you know 10 11 years okay right on right on so um so what, what was like your some of your first indications that something was uh oh oh might have, he might have dropped out there. Let's see. Let's see if he can pop back in. So, yeah, and, and Austin's such a weird place. Like, I was just out. Let me see. Hold on. Oh, might have lost him. Adam, can you hear me at all? Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. Well, let's see here. Pull him back out. All right. Well, that's all right. That's all right. We're just gonna we're just gonna keep rolling here. So you like? I love it how he's like. Okay. So he told me like. So this is how hard he's crushing out there. So he's out in Missouri, right? And he's on his in his farm. He's like, I don't get much uh, cell service until unless I'm like in this one particular spot in the field. And I'm like, all right, cool. So he's all like, all right, I'm gonna set up in the field. Adam, I don't know if you can hear me or not. Maybe try logging out, logging back in. Let me text him. Uh, but but he's like, all right, I gotta I gotta you know be in this one. Maybe log back out and log back in? Question mark. There we go. All right. So uh, he's like, all right, I'm gonna be out in this field originally because you guys know, normally I do my streams a little bit later in the day, and he's like, well, I normally have to do it like out in the field and use natural daylight. Otherwise, uh, otherwise it doesn't. You know, I, I can't. I can't just like stream from the house and have natural lighting. So I'm like, okay, so we're gonna do go a little earlier. No big deal. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's all right. That's all right. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Okay. Well, here I'll, I'll show you guys. I have some of his. Uh, I have some of his websites pulled up here. So let's look at this real quick. So I love this man. So Piney Creek Farms. Not only does it make more sense, it tastes better too. Looking to looking to nature as a guide when we design our farms gives us a unique perspective and encourages us to consider the health of the system as a whole. Oh, oh, there he is. Adam, you there? Coming. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Okay. Uh, we were just taking I'm a look back. at your websites here. We're taking a look at Piney Creek Farm. All right. But, uh, but anyway, so awesome. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So tell us, so tell me a little bit of like, what was, what was like your first indication that something was, was wrong? <laughs> you know, it was uh, my wife. So I guess be my sister-in-law. She uh, was like, Hey, have you heard of chemtrails? Mm. And I was like, man, that sounds crazy. I don't, I don't know about that whole thing. 
so that that got back shelved, but that was the uh, the first thing that I had heard about. But it was really uh, the food, you know. I as we had our first son, I was like, man, what are we going to feed this kid? Like, surely I cannot feed him what I grew up on, you know, everything from a box basically. And uh, so it was like, you know, what's this organic thing I'm hearing about? So we kind of looked into that and saw that there was something behind that, and then that kind of just open the floodgates of, okay, so, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe people aren't being honest with, you know, what goes into food. And uh, so then, you know, that started the whole GMO thing way, way back when, before you couldn't really find anything out about it. And then from there it was like, oh, well, so let's revisit this chemtrail thing. And then, you know, that was, I guess, the heyday of Alex Jones. And so we mm. kind of went down that all those rabbit holes and, you know, kind of uh, got clued into the concept that there were powers that be and, you know, all of that stuff. And then, you know, you kind of go the Federal Reserve route because, you know, you you get turned on to Ron Paul, obviously being in Austin, you know, that's not really a big surprise there. So then you're like, oh, what's going on with the Federal Reserve? And, you know, it's just kind of the more that you peel layers back or the more you open the can, the more things that you see that, uh, you know, maybe you aren't quite the way that you thought they were growing up. And then, you know, being involved in the financial markets at that time, it wasn't really that difficult to kind of peel those layers back based on my position and kind of see, okay, you know, there's, there's some, uh, some interesting things here. We got to try to figure some of this stuff out. Yeah. Well, how, okay. So I'm always curious, like when I hear about people like actually working in the financial sector to one degree or another and then they learn about the fin the federal reserve <laughs> like that's it's like they don't tell you that in school or they don't teach you that on the yeah. job at all huh well i mean they teach you about the concept right yeah. but when you're when you're a broker and you're involved in the financial market you know you're aware of the federal reserve that they set monetary policy but you really don't dive into like what the structure of the federal reserve is and their relationship to the government and the treasury it's just kind of like yeah you know they set interest rates they set monetary policy this is you know how it affects the market so it's a very effect driven uh education if you will from that aspect of it not so much a you know an origin story um, or anything political it's it's really just like here's what you need to know and how it affects your job and then you kind of figure out other stuff as you go along mm -hmm. interesting yeah that's that's amazing and you know i think it's really fascinating because there's this movie and i've talked about this before on the show so i apologize guys but there's this movie in 2013 that came out it's called the conspiracy i don't know if you've seen it or heard of it but it's a great film. it's a really good movie i definitely recommend it it's, it's they did a fantastic job but it's basically a bunch of People that are making a documentary about this crazy conspiracy theory guy. It's filmed like a mockumentary style. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and the filmmakers, as the movie progresses, they become they kind of like get they learn about like they're at first they're they're filming it like to make fun of him, right? And then they start mm -hmm. to realize, wait a minute, maybe he's right about all this stuff. And in their journey, one of the characters, like, you know, you see him like looking at like off-grid communities and going to farm because I think that like this 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 progression of waking up you know realizing the realities of the world like almost everybody in their journey it leads you to a place of being like oh my god i gotta get out of here i gotta go like <laughs> like like get a farm and start growing my own yeah. food you know i think that's just the natural progression but one of the yeah. things that always inspires me is when i see people like you who've like taken that and just ran with it you know that's super super cool so so yeah. let, 
so uh let's fast forward to like oregon specifically like eugene like what what when when did you make your uh exodus from eugene uh about three years ago so okay. we were there for about six years and i'd switched from the financial markets to banking mm -hmm. uh doing commercial lending and uh, we'd already had we'd had a goal of having you know a small homestead a couple acres maybe and we we're like ah you know this is our five-year plan and that got accelerated because um, we found an amazing deal on a really beat up property and we were able to make it happen and so you know instead of like two to three acres maybe up to five was the dream i ended up with 32. wow and so we were like okay what are we going to do here you know and we had been studying um you know like joel salatin and a lot of the other uh, practitioners of that style of agriculture and so we're like oh well you know maybe we should do some of that maybe we should get into raising meat birds you know uh let's let's get some some beef cows and learn about cows because we grew up my wife and i in suburbia so you know we i didn't know a thing about cows so it's just you know i'd read all of these books and i was like well now i actually have space to try these things so you know let's give it a shot and it just kind of escalated from there you know you raise a, a dozen laying hens you're like oh maybe i should get more let's try meat birds and you raise you know maybe 20 meat birds for yourself you're like oh i could do 200. you know you you get uh two beef cows and you're like ah maybe i'll get 15. you know it just kind of blows up from there wow that's awesome and this was all out in oregon yeah yeah okay. so we were we were west of eugene on uh, a tiny little place you probably know called no tie which yeah, is, yeah. Uh, yeah basically the last step before you get into the coast range so mm -hmm. outside of the city but it was there that you know as we as we started to progress in the things we were doing and learning we uh you know i got even more dissolution i guess you could say with that aspect of the financial industry and was just like you know maybe we should try something different you know this farm you know is going really well we're getting customers we're having success you know we really enjoy this so you know is it possible for us to to kind of make this more of a a full-time permanent thing instead of just a, a nights and the weekend do what we can you know build something that uh you know maybe more robust than what we were doing yeah and and that's such a that's that's the thing that really fascinates me the most is like making that transition that leap of like you know going from a full-time position within the matrix or whatever you want to describe it into like like transitioning into doing something that you want to do or are passionate about full time like that's just yeah. like and then that leap of faith you know was that scary for you yes and no you know for better or worse i don't know i don't know which i've kind of always had this mentality of it's only money mm, yeah. and i you know not to brag but i always have a tendency of getting the jobs i interview for so mm -hmm kind of the way that I looked at it is that with the background I had and with just, you know, I, I tend to pick up things fairly easily. I figured I wouldn't have any problem getting a job. Now I didn't know what kind of job it would be, but I was like, you know, if it doesn't work, we're not going to be any worse off than we are now. You know, if we uh, take a financial risk and we lose, so what it's only money and we can just, you know, make more and just figure it out. So, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a little bit scary stepping into the unknown, but at the same time, you have a certain amount of excitement in doing that. And I think that that one of the defining things um, and and shifts in the mindset is how you go into that. 
you know, where you're, you've got to, I think, step into that willingly. You've got to be running towards something, not spiraling and running away. You know, if we were to come from a, a perspective where we're like, oh my God, we got to get out of here. Where do we go? And we'll just figure it out when we get there. Like you're starting from a place of fear and you're always on the defense. Whereas, you know, after, after we made it through all the fear cycles and, uh, you know, trying to figure out how we were going to cope with all of these things we were learning, you know, we just kind of came to the realization that, you know, a lot of this stuff isn't really affecting us on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, sure on the macro, but on the micro and my tangible day-to-day -day existence, it's really just noise. And so what kind of a life do I want to live? What things do I want to pursue? And we looked at, you know, trying to identify things that were, were good to do regardless of good times or bad times and things that would truly bring us fulfillment and happiness and run towards those things. And, you know, if you fail at what you love, it's not really a failure, you know, mm. even if you have to take a step back. And so that I think eliminated a lot of the fear because, you know, you're chasing your dreams. The excitement outweighs any, any thought of, well, what if this doesn't work? Yeah. Wow. That's man. That, that's like some of the best stuff I've heard, you know, some of the best <laughs> advice I've heard, you know, I, I really can relate to that too. You know, I've had failures. Like I used to do a show before this too, and it didn't work out. Right. Like it was like a team effort and there was like some difficulties amongst the team members and the show didn't work out. And I was like, well, dang, you know, that, that crushed me, but, uh, uh, you know, but just regroup, restart, you know, I got all these tools, I know what to do. And so we launched this new show mm -hmm. and it's like, man, like, and now I feel like I've like surpassed where we were at before. So it's like, you know, yes, yes. The failures, you know, not only are they lessons, but if you're failing doing what you love, like it ain't really a failure. That's so cool. You know? Yeah. Because uh, you learn something from it. You know, it's yeah. only a failure if you give up and you walk away yes. and you just throw in the towel on everything. But you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we've done that you could call failures, but mm -hmm. we've learned along the way and we've enabled ourselves to either pivot and do something completely different. You know, maybe we've learned what not to do, or maybe we've learned lessons that enable us to have, uh, you know, what would be considered more of a success next time, even though it still may not have gone the way that we, you know, want it to do. But I really think more than anything, failure is a state of mind. Mm. You know, are you going to get up and are you going to try again? Or are you going to let that defeat you and and just, you know, take that at that victim attitude of, well, you know, I shouldn't have done it. Maybe it didn't, you know, work out the way I thought, but it was a waste of time. You know, if you if you adopt the other mentality of like, what can I learn from this situation? Could I have done something differently? Did I miss something or are these things that came my way? And even if there are circumstances that have come your way that you had no way of controlling, you can always control your reaction to those things and then what you choose to do from that point, whether you, you pivot or you pick yourself up and try the same thing again. It doesn't really matter. What matters is whether or not you let that be the thing that stops you from trying anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then and then like looking at it as like not don't judge. Don't look at it without judgment. Like don't beat yourself up like you're not a failure. You're just, you know, you're we're learning and we're on this yeah. you know, progression. Right. So totally, man, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so then, okay. So the next stage of your journey, so you're already in Oregon and you're already crushing by all outward appearances, but like you needed something like something else, right? Like what, what was it that drew you eastward? Like what made you decide to, um, head eastward? It, it was the, uh, the idea of being debt free. 
You know, mm-hmm. the, the real estate market went crazy in Oregon with the legalization of recreational cannabis. Okay. And, uh, and that changed the whole culture as well. So, you know, at the same time, there were, uh, you know, bank mergers and all kinds of things that were, uh, you know, rocking my professional world in a good way. Uh, well, good and bad. There were, there were positives and there were negatives. But um, hi, Carl. Hey, Everything, Carl. Uh, this is Carl Brown. Hey, Carl Brown. Get a, get a black dog. What else are you going to name him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lay down. So, you know, looking at the changing landscape, looking at, you know, the way the culture was shifting, looking at the way that uh, real estate values were shifting. I had this, you know, I, I think God put it on my heart to get out of debt. And I was like, well, what can we do to make that happen? So we looked at the idea of just buying raw land there in Oregon, keeping my job and kind of starting over, um, you know, downsizing wasn't really like a big option because we were trying to do the opposite of that. You know, we're trying to scale up the farm. Mm. And the more that we looked at it, the more that we just realized that if that was truly a goal, that staying in Oregon wasn't really an option. But then kind of a election and political season came around and the year you probably remember this, uh, the year that we left, this would have been, uh, either 2018 or 19. I don't remember which one it was, yeah. but that's when they really rolled out like massive legislation to propose uh, gun control. They proposed uh, banning homeschooling, you know, requiring a master's degree in education to homeschool kids. They had rolled out um, the idea of mandatory vaccinations for schools as well as anywhere that could host school-like functions involving children. So that included daycares, that included uh, you know, church facilities that were used for daycare, even if you weren't there for daycare, because that facility was used for that, then you would, you'd have this thing. And so, you know, we looked at that and I was like, well, I don't think there's any chance any of the, like all of these are going to pass, but I think what they're doing is trying to condition people to the ideas and maybe they can get one or two of these things through, or, uh, they'd also, uh, propose the carbon, uh, credit system. It's like, you know, maybe they can get one or maybe they can get most of the way there, but then they'll pull back on these other things and call it a victory while eroding, you know, the quality of life that we had. So it's like, you know, in the face of that and in the face of wanting to get out of debt, like Oregon's just not going to work for us. So yeah. we started at that point looking at what, where, uh, where we could go that might work. And uh, we actually started in northern New Mexico of all places. <laughs> I don't know why. Sure. We, uh, you know, up, uh, up in the mountains, uh, north of Santa Fe, a tiny little town called uh, Mora. We we're like, oh man, that would be really cool and be up in the mountains again. You know, growing up in Utah, we really wanted to go back to somewhere with the mountains. And we had this idea that, you know, New Mexico had this, uh, this amount of freedom that doesn't really exist. And so we, uh, we took a trip there and quickly realized that we were not going to fit. So it was back to the drawing board. And uh, my mom had moved to Missouri. And, uh, you know, even though we were kind of terrified of tornadoes, it was like, well, you know, land's cheap. At least we'd be closer to my mom than we are now. And, uh, you know, there's uh, really favorable laws there. People seem to really enjoy a lot of different freedoms. You know, there's no such thing as water rights, which was Mm. a concept I hadn't even considered when we moved to Oregon. Mm. Um, You know, because we had no agricultural experience. Yeah. And so, you know, we just went through the checklist of 
of what are the most important things to us. And Missouri just kind of hit all of those things. And the bonus was having, you know, family on the other side of the state. So we're like, well, it's as good as place as any to start. And if we don't like it, we can always move again. That's not that big of a deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And uh, so, yeah, my first time in Missouri was just a few weeks ago, you know, up at the Missouri Bear Meetup. So that was really awesome. Uh, you didn't I, pass through when you were driving out to your place? No, I, I came through the I came from Oregon and then I went down through Arizona, New Mexico and Texas. Mm -hmm. And there was like this little, oh, like, okay. little Freedom Festival I went to. I kind of timed it to attend this festival called Float Fest, F-L-O-T-E mm -hmm. Fest, Float Fest down in uh, just outside of Austin, it was a little bit outside of Austin, but it was like a like this crypto like anarchist libertarian type gathering type mm -hmm. deal it was cool it was fun I, I i dug it and then came up then through uh arkansas and all that so yeah i took the southern route okay. yeah i kind of gotcha. yeah i kind of toured the south on my way out but um i knew i was heading to tennessee so but i was just kind of bumming around there for a couple of weeks but uh but yeah man that's so cool so well here's a, here's another question before we get uh keep mo keep going so knowing what you know now um, in terms of like, you know, things to consider for people that are looking at like, you know, strategic relocation, I've heard it described, or just like looking to maybe do what you're doing, but, but, uh, are looking to relocate from maybe an urban environment. Like what are some of the things that you would recommend people keep an eye out for these days? Ooh, that's uh man, I have an unruly dog here. Hey, stop. Um, I think the first thing to really consider is what kind of a lifestyle do you want? You know, I think surrounding yourself with the people who are already doing that kind of lifestyle, you know, where that's uh, kind of endemic and built into the population is really yeah. important. You know, if you're looking, if you're looking for uh, a certain type of culture, you want to, Carl, stop. Very disruptive. You know, you want to make sure that um, you're going to fit in, right? If you're if you're showing up, uh, take Missouri, for example, if you're showing up to Missouri and you're trying to, you know, ban guns, this is not the place that you want to be, you know, yeah. uh, you know, conversely, if you're, if you're looking to start, you know, uh, a wheat operation, just, you know, to keep with the agricultural theme, you know, Northern Arkansas on the borders of the lakes is not where you want to be, mm. you know, it's just not conducive, uh, to what you want to do and so starting with you know your checklist of what do you want to pursue what's important what kind of life do you want to live what kind of people do you want to be around that's that's step number one and then from there you know you really need to go through through the checklist you know and there's a lot of different checklists you can do but if we're talking about specifically going rural then you know, want to look at, at things like, well, how close do you need to be to the city? What are you going to consider rural? And, uh, and, you know, kind of start setting zones and perimeters around places that seem to have the types of things that you're looking for. Cool. Right on. Yeah. That, yeah, definitely. Are you definitely. still there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me? Can you see me? Are you there? Did I lose you? No. Well, I can hear you and I can still see you. It was kind of breaking up there for a second. Testing, testing. Okay. So. Yeah, he, he must up oh, up oh, he dropped out there. Darn guys. That's all right. That's okay. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. See, I don't I don't have the luxury of editing videos anymore. Like I used to do that a lot. Um, but that that took up all my time. Like I would pre-record episodes and then I would like and then I'd like nitpick the audio, you know what I'm saying? Like I used to like 
I would like, oh, I don't like the way I said that word. Like already in this episode, I've messed up several times. Like, like I said, Hey, thanks for having me on. I mean, thanks for being on the show. You know what I mean? Like before I would edit that out and I would spend hours and hours on each episode, like editing and nitpicking and blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, Oh, I hate how, uh, I hate how that sounded. Or maybe I can make that audio sound a little bit better. And so, you know what? I don't have to worry about that anymore. My life is so much better and more full now that I don't have to sit down and nitpick and edit every single episode. But the trade-off for that is that I get to do it live and we get technical, technical issues and we get to like, you know, it's all good. It's all good. So what we're going to do here, let's go back and check some more out about that. Good old Piney Creek farm. So Piney Creek farm, you guys, if you're in the Missouri area, look at that. Look at that. So this is a, by Kabul, Missouri. They sell pasteurized meats, including pork, chicken, lamb, raw milk, eggs, and vegetables, seasonal vegetables. So, uh, Raw milk. Don't tell the federal government. No, I'm just kidding, dude. So we got the creamery. Whoa. Let's check this out. Superb raw milk. Look at these guys. We got Mildred, Harriet, Twinkle, Bethany, and Emma. Emma's a future milker. That's so cool. Um, dude, I'm just like, I'm like, like I who I never would have thought in a million years that like this would be like, this would be where I'd be like super jealous like you know i don't know there was a point in my life where maybe i was like i wanted like a really nice car a nice house but now i'm just like dude i want a whole field full of milking cows like that would be awesome look at that <laughs> oh man look at that i want five heifers out in the, out in the field that i can melt let's see um see adam we're getting the spinning wheel of death on your screen there i don't know if you can hear me or not um let's see um principles oh i like this okay here we go adam i don't know man maybe try logging back out and log back in again device not connected there we go all right so these are the principles as stewards of god's creation we believe we have a responsibility to make sure the needs of plants and animals are met as much as as it is in our control we believe this can largely be accomplished Okay, he's going to log back in again. Okay. Can be accomplished through appropriate, thoughtful design. When their needs are met, plants and animals grow better and are healthier. Healthy food comes from healthy systems. But it's not just physical needs that we need. Oh, there he is. Let's see. There he is. Hey. 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 So we're, we're reading about the principles of Piney Creek Farm. And I love this, man. Like, uh, you know, so, so, God, I just, you know, I'm over here like, we were going through your website a little bit. I'm like, gosh, must be nice, you know, having like a field full of cows and everything. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I was saying, like, I I used to have like I used to want to have a nice, nice car and a nice house. And I was like, no, now I just want like five cows out in the field, man. It's awesome. In a good yeah, way. Funny I mean, how that I mean, changes. I must be nice in, in a very positive, healthy way. Like, good job, man. Like it's just like something to aspire to, right? It's like okay. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it's that. Funny how that changes, though. You know, you uh you intentionally try to check out of the system and then you find that your priorities have shifted. And now you're like, I don't care. I'll live in a 600 foot, you know, shop house. Just, you know, yeah. give me my land, give me my cows. Let me, let me choose how I spend my day. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's very cool. interesting. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So, uh, I'm so the things that really fascinate me now is just like entrepreneurship, you know, like to me, I'm yeah. just trying to wrap my mind around this. And so now looking at what you've got going on, you've got several irons in the fire right now. So, so what oh, yes. came first? What came first? Was it the, the farm? Is that where you kind of, yeah. yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit how yeah, the far, farm yeah. came first. Okay. Uh, um, so that's Piney Creek farm. Uh, we were looking at the website there, you guys, there's a link in the description. 
And then what came next? Um, I think the seed company came next. Well, no, I don't know. They kind of the seed company and the construction company both kind of happened at the same time. Oh, that's I cool. had uh, I had started picking up handyman work on the side just mm -hmm. for a little bit of extra money. You know, farm infrastructure is expensive, and there was also a need. Uh, my uh, real estate agent and friend had reached out to me and was like, "Hey, you know, I've got these folks that could use somebody that." could do some renovations for them. And the guys that I normally go to are booked out eight months. Is that something you'd be interested in? I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? So I kind of started doing that prior to any of the seed company or construction company. And then, so at the time that I got together with the other guys, I was also in the process of, uh, with one of my other buddies launching the seed company. So, you know, kind of did uh, a two for one deal there. I think they both went live in December of last year. Wow. Okay, great. Man, that's so cool. Um, I love that. So, so did you have like handyman, like construction experience prior to, uh, just doing like handyman stuff or. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit. I mean, you know, it's one of those God things, right? You don't really understand what you're doing at the time, but, uh, some buddies and I had purchased a HUD home when we lived in Utah when we were like 21. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was during the, um, house flipping phase. And so we're like, oh, we're going to make a bunch of money flipping this house. We ought to be able to learn how to do the basic stuff. So, you know, we basically uh, just got hammered all day and worked on the house, hmm. which is, you know, not a great combination at times. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, through that, we kind of taught ourselves a lot of the uh, the basics, you know, tile work, trim work, drywall repair, basic plumbing. And then uh, when we when we bought a place in Oregon, it was a super fixer upper and uh, we ended up running out of money part of the way through the renovation. And so I, there was work I had to figure out how to do in order to make the house livable mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, get the rest of the financing. Cause it was uh, kind of a, a home improvement slash purchase mortgage that we had done at first where they, one of your conditions is that like this set of repairs has to be done in order for your permanent financing to kick in. And so we had worked with the contractor when we, uh, when we had found out the repairs that we needed to do were way more extensive than what we thought they were. He was like, look, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be happy to do this, but I don't think that we're going to come in anywhere near budget. Do you have the cash for that? And I was like, no, he's like, okay, well, how about, you take care of this, 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 that way I can still sign off that I did these things that we originally agreed. And we'll just kind of leave these other repairs that need to be done off of the table and you just take care of them. So then I got in and was like, all right, well, how do I do this? You know, how do I repair floor joists? How do I, you know, do all these other things? And he was willing to kind of fill in some of my knowledge gaps. And so it was, by the time that we got done with all of that, I was like, ah, you know, I could, I could do some stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when we moved here, you know, we decided to take on our own building project. And so it just kind of scaled from there. Uh, you know, and we got to the point we built, um, I built our own shop house. So it's a 30 by 50 shop. And then we framed in the last 22 feet of that as, as our living space. So I did all of my own electrical and plumbing and most of my own framing. I just, you know, 12 foot sidewalls, there's only so much you can do by yourself just from physical strength. So after I'd finished all of that, I was like, all right, I should be able to figure out 
most things. And I'll just only take on what I know how to do or feel like mm -hmm. I can reasonably take on. So it's just a, you know, a natural evolution that happened. But I think that most people can learn this type of stuff. It's not overly difficult most of the time. Yeah, man, you know, you have no idea how much I relate to all that. So that was kind of bit that was my journey. Like I basically came out. So my my background the last few years were been working as a drug and alcohol counselor out in Oregon. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I was a drug and alcohol counselor. And then that job went away when they tried to inject me with something. And I told them mm -hmm. that they had to take a hike, right? So that job went away. Long story mm -hmm. there, of course. But uh yeah, I found myself sure. like, no longer able to work in the field. And that was that was one of the you know, one of the things that was keeping me in Oregon was like, I had several attachments. Right. And then like, yeah, I mean, one of them, it was so weird, just serendipitously, all my attachments like fell away right around the same time. And right. I'm like, Hey, that's it. I'm going, I have no excuse now. And so that's that yeah. was the catalyst for me to move. And then I got to Tennessee and that's one of the reasons why I chose Tennessee was that my certification as a counselor has reciprocity here between Oregon and Tennessee. So I could mm -hmm. you know, in theory kind of just go back right to work in the, counseling field um and while i was looking for work uh applying for jobs i basically just made like a facebook post that said hey i got a truck i got some tools if anybody needs some mm -hmm. help you know and boy oh boy yeah. i got like <laughs> responses man and it's just like yeah it's just been nuts and so i just i'm like well i guess i just actually started my own handyman business and that's pretty much what i've been doing ever since and i just that's can't great. believe it i just can't believe it man like the people i've met alone yeah um, it's just, you know, and I kind of, that's kind of how I marketed my ad. My ad was kind of like, you know, I'm looking to network with people living a more agrarian lifestyle. You know, if you need help around your farm or property, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. And so those are the people that I've been like, you know, working with and for, you know, nice. it's been like, it's yeah. just like a mind blowing experience, but. So is it like the people who have, uh, a lot of times the mentality of like, oh, I can do this or I want to be involved, but I can't tackle it all myself. I need yep. an extra hand. Yeah. Is that yeah, kind of that? Yeah, there's nice. definitely there's definitely a lot of that. Um, there's there's a lot of like other contractors because Nashville is just booming right now. Like I I, is it? I came here because specifically like I do my show out of this. I don't know if you've heard of that show, The Last American Vagabond, Ryan mm -hmm. Christian. Yeah, he's yeah. fantastic. And so I, I share studio space with him. Like he he like he was like, Yeah, man, if you ended up in Nashville, you could totally use my studio. I'm like, dude, that's nice. so cool. So uh <clears throat> and now we're like buddies, which is so cool. But uh that was my main you know, reason to come to Nashville specifically, even though Nashville, you know, it is a big city and it's kind of blue, mm -hmm. kind of masky, you know what I mean? But I kind mm -hmm. of figured I just wanted to land here, get my bearings and then kind of, you know, figure out my next steps from there. But, uh, totally. but, but just Nashville in general is just booming, man. Like there's so many, uh, cranes, they're just building high rises everywhere, like apartment buildings. Wow. Like it's just, the economy is just on fire out here. And it's just like, I just, I can't keep up with the amount of requests for work that's out here and I can charge like a premium rate and, and I'm still just learning. I'm just learning. I'm learning, but I'm learning, you know, I'm learning, I'm acquiring yeah. tools, I'm acquiring skills and I'm building like this incre incredible network of people. Like a lot of these customers that I've worked for are now like friends. It's so crazy. That's you know? awesome. That's, yeah. and that's the best kind of work. You know, yeah. we've got a couple of those as well, not only for, you know, word of mouth and they're like, Oh, this yeah. guy, you know, he's a really good friend. Now he did this work for us, but, you know, also being able to work with people and have your like your customers and your friends filter for you yeah. so that you don't have to, you know, worry about who might not pay you. You know, we've yeah. got a couple really awesome uh, friends and customers that do that very thing. They're like, oh, you know, I ran into this person. If you really need the work, I'll I'll send them your way. But, you know, you don't want to work with them unless you really need it. But if you need it, I'll send it your way. Yeah. So it's you know, it's it's great, you know. Yeah. Um, it's really awesome to hear that yeah. you had such a similar walk. Exactly. Um, yeah. 
I was just thinking like, uh, you know, coming from your previous career, like I really can't think of a better place than Oregon for doing drug rehab counseling. It's just insane. I mean, it really was. And like, you know, I was actually, you know, part of these organizations that were really actually lobbying the state for some of these like drug reforms. Like this was back when, um, you know, prior to them like decriminalizing all drugs, which is insane. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was on this, this panel, I guess you could call it like lobbying. Like we would sit down with these senators and be like, Hey, and we actually had this whole proposal written up. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and we were like, Hey, how about we, the whole thing was called Oregon recovers. Like it was supposed to increase the amount of treatment beds, like build new facilities and give so much more access to treatment. And the way we were going to pay for it was like a 10% increase on like beer sales. That's it. Not even like hard alcohol, not wine. Mm -hmm. Cause big wine industry and not like local breweries. It was like Budweiser stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Very modest. And like there, there hasn't, and one of the arguments was there hadn't been an increase in, in, in tax or, and, and, you know, cost tax for these products in like 20 years. And so, uh, and it seemed like a no brainer. And then like literally to my face, one of the state representative lady said to me, she's like, well, I can tell you right now, this isn't going to pass. And we're like, why is that? She said, well, the alcohol lobbyists are just too powerful. And I'm like, Oh, so you're just saying that so you're literally just telling me that you get too much money from the alcohol people. So this isn't going to pass. Like you're just telling yeah. me how corrupt you are like to my face. Like, that's crazy. Like, all right, fine. Yeah. That was a very disappointing moment, but <laughs> yeah, I had my own that was very similar uh, to that as well. That just kind of blew my mind. You know, you have this idea, you know, you have the, uh, the stereotype, right? Oh, politicians are crooked. Oh, you know, big business runs politics. You're like, yeah, you know, that's right. But then on a practical standpoint, you're like, do they really? Have I actually seen this with my own eyes? And, uh, you know, I was going through um, an executive development program for for the bank. You know, I was kind of getting uh, groomed for that, uh, you know, upper management deal. And so we had this year-long program that we went to put on by the Oregon Bankers Association, which for what it was, was a really great program. You know, I learned a ton. Um a lot of really good advice of, you know, working with people. Uh, there's a lot that you could glean from that and turn to an entrepreneurship standpoint, because a lot of it was, you know, looking at profit margins, analyzing, you know, what services you're providing, really understanding your market, et cetera, et cetera. But we had this one day where it was, uh, you know, legislative day. So we went to the state Capitol in Salem and we sat down with a lobbyist who was our teacher for the day. And uh, he was basically walking us through how the political process plays out as it related to financial institutions and regulations. And uh, he was just so okay with it. And, you know, and to say it, let me, let me elaborate on that. So he's like, let's say that there's this legislation or this, you know, bill or this idea that's being presented that you really, really like, well, what you do is you, you know, phone us up and we say, Hey, we, we as the the bankers association we really want to promote this idea like we're on board with this he's like so you tell me what you want what you don't want and uh you know i have the ear of these politicians you know through our through our lobbies and through our donations and he's like you know i can get FaceTime with these people and i can say hey you know this this group of people this is really important we'd really like to see this pass or you know we really want to put the brakes on this and so you know, it was basically an all day thing where he was softly talking about the leverage that they had with these people. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, 
Yeah. What about what the people want? You know, where does this enter in at all? Because never at any point in time did they talk about, uh, you know, the idea of what the average citizen wanted. It was all about, you know, what do you as business leaders want and how can we help you pass laws that give you the things that you want? And so it was just uh, really, really crazy to see that in action and to see the type of people that were promoting that and it was just um yeah it was it was really awakening to um just uh, a whole area that i didn't really have a good understanding of how it worked yeah and that's just such like that's just scratching the surface like it just totally burned darker deeper and darker the more you get and so and so now like probably being in the financial realm like you probably have like a lot of awareness of there being a government that is government regulation, this government, that, but, but now your current life, how, how aware of you are the government of the government are you these days? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm not at all. I know, you know that's we a, have, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's totally different. You know, I've got a sheriff's deputy. He lives at the end of my road. And go. so that's my interaction with, you know, with local government is like yeah. when the, when the County tax assessor shows up and it's just like, Hey, my name's so-and-so and you know can i just make sure our tax records are okay and like they're nice people and you're like oh yeah sure why not and then uh you know when the you meet the deputy at the you know church barbecue and he's like oh hey i live down the road if you ever see anything weird give me a call i don't mind running down it's just like wow yeah. like this is great yeah you know or you I can call uh you can call down to the county and you can actually talk to somebody so you know it's been great yeah. not having to think about those things because it doesn't really seem to affect our day-to-day -day life out here you know yeah. there's a i think a lot of smoke and mirrors and um a, a, an effort to try to get people to focus on things that they can't really change and keep them distracted from the things that they can change yeah man and, and that's one of my favorite things i've ever heard owen say is like you know and it's fairly recently he was like you know you're the amount of government in your life is directly proportionate to like the morality of your community. Like if you live in like hell, totally. Babylon, then you're going to have police and government and restrictions and rules and mandates everywhere. Yep. But if you're like out mm -hmm. there in like a high morality, like just like a smaller community, it's like, it's not even there. It's non-existent. So you can actually like create an environment yeah. where you don't have, you know, government. Like if you're, if you're an anti-government guy, just like, you know, get out, go do something else, like build community elsewhere. You know, it's crazy. Like that really, really, like really totally. resonated with me, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, well, hey, we got we got to like like. Yeah, minutes. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, oh, I was gonna say we've you know we've noticed a lot of the things that he talks about where, you know, on a local level, it's a good thing. You know, you want somebody who's able to enforce your property rights. You want somebody who you can call if there's an issue. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's when you get into, you know, like take our take our example. Um, you know, in Eugene, when we left, there was uh, the homeless problem was getting out of control yeah. and oh, yeah. everybody was demanding that somebody would do something about it, but nobody was willing to do something about it. And there was no accountability because everybody was disconnected. You know, I think you hit a certain population density where only certain people know who their government officials are and, and actually have a way to access them. And so those are the people that, you know, kind of get what they want. And, um, you know, kind of our, my experience, you know, dealing in the nonprofit world, we were, you and I were periphery, you know, they were my clients, a lot of them, mm -hmm. whereas you worked for one, yeah. you know, it was, it became very apparent that they didn't want the problem to end. 
you know, <laughs> it's like it was good business for them to have homeless people. It was good business for them to have addicts because then their services are, are needed and they can drum up community support. And, you know, it's, it's not necessarily that it's nefarious as it is that they just understand that the more that they can, you know, quote unquote, help people, the more that they will get funding, you know, and so they, they kind of, they're, they're not really the solutions oriented people, right? Like their solution is their program that can fix this temporary thing, but nobody really wants to talk about the, uh, the systemic problem that exists because that would require accountability, uh, both between the citizenry and the government. And, uh, and that, I think that's where, where you get into the problems, right? It's, it's that you don't really have the ability to, you know, interact with, with the people who enforce the rules on a person to person basis, you know, just the nature of the numbers is it makes it very impersonal. Yeah. It's well, it's kind of like reminds me of the, I don't know who said this. I know it's some quote that says like the government's it's not, the system isn't broken. It's working exactly the way it's supposed to. It benefits those. Yeah. 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 Well, I want to, I want to make sure we cover this a little bit and, and, uh, kind of getting towards the end here a little bit, but, and we could probably do a whole like series of episodes on this, just the idea yeah. of permaculture. Right. And, and I, I feel like oh I might, I know, I know. And I'm, I'm not going to just brief overview type stuff. You know, <laughs> to get into it here. Yeah. But I just love on your, on your uh, website, the principles uh, page. I want to encourage everybody to go read that. Um, <laughs> what, what does it mean to you? Like, like perma, the, the permaculture, like, like that, that type of farming, like, and like, what does that mean yeah. to you? How's that different from like other means of approaching it? Yeah. So uh, I'm glad you asked that um, because there's a lot of misconceptions about what permaculture is and what it's not. You know, a lot of us, our first foray into permaculture is like rain barrels, you know, uh, in your suburban lot or, uh, you know, composting or things like that. And, and that's really not what permaculture is. And so we kind of have the idea that, uh, or, you know, a really another really fun one when I meet people is like, oh, I just barely put in my first permaculture. Mm. And, uh, you know, you smile and you're like, oh, that's great. But that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what permaculture is, is, is really a, a, a framework in which we, we look at things. It's really uh, defined as a design language. Um, Bill Mollison, the, the co-founder of permaculture, also defined it as very seditious uh, in its very nature, which I, I think is hilarious because it really takes the, uh, the idea of freedom, you know, on steroids, right? It's not, it's not so much that you're trying to break away. It's that you're really trying to look at things from a systems perspective. And what really makes permaculture different from every other system that I've looked at and why it really resonates to me uh, is because at the core of permaculture is ethics. Everything that you do within a permaculture uh, framework always points back to the, th the three core ethics. And those ethics are earth care, people care, and return of surplus. And those can be phrased different ways. But basically everything that you do, you have to satisfy those things. Otherwise, you, you realize that you have an improper design. So, you know, you look at, is it meeting the needs that we as people have? Yes. Okay, great. Is it you know, rapacious by nature, is it unnecessarily damaging the earth? Okay, yes or no. And then the last thing is like, well, what do you do 
with whatever you get extra from that. And that's what, you know, stops you from overindulging. And it's that return of surplus. Take what you need, put the rest of it back into the system. So though, so that's the, the framework. And the reason I say it's a design language is because the, the next part of that is, is we look at patterns within nature to then inform us how we should go about things. Uh, and a lot of people think that permaculture really only applies to agricultural systems, where in reality, it actually applies to every aspect of human civilization, everything that we need to survive, you know, food, housing, uh, even societal and governmental structures that all still point to those three core ethics to be that guide. So that's kind of the nutshell of what permaculture is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then within the context of that, you know, you kind of just look at what it is that you want to do and you look for those patterns in nature. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of new agey, you know, and atheist stuff in permaculture, but I look at it from a completely different perspective as that, you know, our creator designed a network of perfect systems. Mm. And so if I want to really get something right, all I have to look it at is how he designs and the, the natural laws that he put into place, and if I can stay in line with those, then I know that I have something that um, is something, is something worth doing. Yeah, and just preserving that that system. And like we, like I see on your website, you talk about just the idea of it being a system, right? And, and one of the things mm-hmm. I heard recently that was described to me that was an interesting way of thinking about this, it's like they have this big push, right, to get humans to eat bugs, right? Thinking that like mm-hmm. the environment will be saved by us like transitioning to a more like insect diet right but they're pointing out that like you know in the natural order the food chain in in the system you know it's the animals that eat the bugs it's the chickens it's the it's the animals that are out in the field they're eating the bugs and then we eat the animals that eat the bugs and so we're like hijacking the system and we're disrupting that system we're not designed to eat the bugs we're designed (laughs) to eat the the bugs you know what i mean yeah well i mean you could eat honey and locusts like john the baptist so you know there's that but uh, no, I, I think that, you know, it, it's a couple of things, um, you know, from a more nefarious standpoint, is the average person going to be able to raise enough insects to feed themselves? Well, probably not. I mean, you can, but um, it takes a lot of crickets to meet your caloric needs yeah. or you can raise a cow. Right. And yes. so from a control perspective, it's a lot easier to feed yourself if you raise a cow or a pig than it is to raise, you know, like. 1500 pounds of crickets like you can do that but it's just it's it's a completely different thing and cows eat grass it's really easy to manage that compared to uh did i lose you again no no no. i'm here i'm here can you see me are we there okay okay yeah okay yep gotcha so it's really easy to uh you know to manage that system compared to managing the complete ecosystem necessary to to raise bugs so i think there's certainly a freedom component to that but i think it's also you know the average person's divorcement from the natural world that helps propagate and further those ideas you know when you involve yourself in the natural system you come to the point where you can see that for an ecosystem to truly be healthy it has to have animal impact Mm -hmm. and it has to have a certain amount of animal impact there's a balance right there's you can certainly do too much but there's an equal danger to not doing enough and so if you're going to have animal impact on the land what do you do with those animals 
you know, are you really going to have, you know, 50 cows and not eat any of them? What's the, what's the purpose of that? You know, there is none, but there, there is nothing that can build soil faster than animals. You know, yeah. you, it's, it's, it's amazing what you can do and the fertility that you can add to a land and the more fertile it gets, the more productive that it gets, you know, and that ties right back into the, um, the false idea of, of scarcity. And that the only way that they're able to convince people is that is that people just have no idea, you know, what is possible, you know, and that's the other thing that really interests me about permaculture is a big part of that is closing your resource loops. You know, you're looking at your inputs and outputs, not just feed, but you're looking at intrinsic characteristics. You're looking at, you know, manure and nutrients, you know, uh, things like, I mean, you can get really uh, micro with it. You can be like, oh, okay, well, a rooster, you know, it scratches, it crows, it produces feathers, it produces chicken manure. Like you can go down this list. And if you really, really, really wanted to try to like, maximize everything you can take every single one of those things and be like okay i can use this function of it for this thing i can use this function for that and really uh, assembling that when you when you do that and you realize that the way that god made things there's always surplus like you know uh, it's you know a, a cow manure for example you know you can look at what a cow eats and the output that the cow eats is actually like from the manure and the urine that the fertility that is created is more than what it actually takes in and so you have this constant rising plane of fertility that otherwise wouldn't exist if you didn't have the cow and so that's that's where you get into the the false idea of scarcity is that if we really understand how to integrate systems and things together it becomes very clear that we can produce way more than we could ever possibly consume and, uh, you know, uh, a people that can do that really can't be stopped. Wow. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. Well, I, I definitely want to bring you back on it, but at some point we'll do a whole deep dive. I just, I, I just, I have so much to learn and I feel like I don't even, I'm not even qualified to ask the right questions when it comes to this sort of thing. And so, you know, maybe, maybe we'll, uh, as, as I can, well, that's the best kind of person. That's the best kind of person to dive into it. Right. No. Like how interesting is it going to be for the average person to have two permaculture nerds, you know, diving into the weeds. Sure. I think it's way more accessible and enjoyable if you have somebody who has no understanding or even a rudimentary understanding, just asking those questions that, you know, at their at their face might sound really silly, but they're not because it helps grow the understanding. And, you know, we we learn by teaching. And so every time I get the opportunity to talk to somebody about this, you know, I'm trying to think how to how to talk about it and weave a tapestry of understanding. And as I do that, you know, my brain is firing off new connections and new thoughts and new ways of, of looking at things that maybe I otherwise wouldn't have, have done, you know, because I can take yesterday's experience and I. Ah, dang it. No. Hey, Adam, I lost you there. I know, I know sometimes when this happens, you can still hear me, but, uh, Oh, we were right there at the finish line, you guys. Oh man. Okay. Well, Adam, I don't know. I definitely want to let you finish your thoughts. So maybe try logging out, logging back in. We'll finish it up here because I did want to do the grand, the big grand finale, you guys. So we have a big uh, uh let me see, campground.com. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Should have had it pulled up already. 
Nope. Uh, campgrounds. Let's try it with an S, plural. Um. Oh, 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 there he is. Here I am. Hey, there he is. There he is. Oh, man, you were just on one. You were getting it right there. Where'd you lose me at? Okay, so you were just saying, you know, you you, you learn by teaching, the, the tapestry of understanding and, and how you're learning new ways to articulate these lessons, right? Yeah, so, you know, through trying to explain, you know, basic concepts, we're able to bring... Ah. No, we lost you again, man. We lost you again. Oh, no. Okay. Well, guys, all right. Well, let, let, Adam, try it again one more time. One more time, and then we'll just kind of wrap it up. We'll just kind of wrap it up. But I do want to show you guys here, so check this out. So check this out. So this is Bertaria Ozarks. They're building an entire uh, community out there in Missouri. Um, if you want to be a part of it, um, you can go to BertariaCampgrounds.com. Um Look at that. See that little that little uh, camp out right there? Like, uh, I was there. I was there. I'm one of those little tents. I'm not sure which one. Let me see if we can see it. We were the big We were the big tent city. Let me see. Uh, oh, yeah. Right there. You see where my cursor is right there? That was Tentaria right there. Bam. Right there. That little uh, huddled group of uh, tents right there. That, that was us. So we were representing at the Missouri Bear Meetup. And, uh, you know, you can. And so they're, they're building. They're building. And so this is what I'm talking about, you guys. Like, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to build, build community. You know what I'm saying? And anyone, anybody could join in. And I know, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people have a lot of bad things to say about like Owen Benjamin and the bear community and this and that. But it's like, dude, it's nothing but just like healthy, positive, awesome, really cool stuff. So, oh, there's Adam again. Hey, what's up? Okay. I, I don't want to lose you again here. So what I was just, I was just showing them uh, Bertaria Ozarks real quick and maybe we'll just finish up with that can you see me yeah 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 can you can you hear me yep i got you now sorry about that no dude it's it's all good man and i, I feel <laughs> bad that we keep we keep we keep losing you there but uh, uh the you're trying to shut us down i guess something something <laughs> but uh before i lose you again like well thank you for all that man i feel like i just love everything that you were sharing and and i want to get you back on and we'll do like a deep dive into all that and sure. i'll ask dumb questions i'll ask the dumb questions but i just wanted to make sure do we it. cover this too Tell us about Bertaria Ozarks. This is super. Oh exciting. man, yeah. So, uh, so Bertaria Ozarks uh, is uh, the campground that uh, Owen and the guys are are putting together, and we have been hired uh, tentatively to help build that out since we've got the construction company. So, the first project that we're going to be doing is a twenty four foot dome. Christopher Gardner is going to walk us through that whole process, and we're going to get that thing built, and it's going to kind of expand for there. But the idea behind the campground is a place for, you know, not just the bear community, but also the local community yeah. to really come together and build. So, you know, we're talking about workshops and homeschooling events and social get togethers, you know, the national festival, um, you know, really just trying to make a, a robust impact for the bear community and to tie it into the larger community as a whole. So, you know, there are a lot of really great possibilities that uh, that could come about from it. Uh, it's going to be a ton of work, but, you know, it's, it's really trying to make tangible the idea of, of Bertari and the idea of, you know, just a, a good, you know, moral, close-knit community that is, you know, focused on bringing about actual solutions. You know, it's not that we have the answers. 
It's more so that everybody who wants to be involved in this is committed to just trying to have a better life and, and pursue that which we find valuable and, you know, that which is good, true and beautiful, which for me ultimately, uh, you know, wraps up into the umbrella of God. You know, we're, we're pursuing the, uh, you know, the relationship with God and the, and the moral ideals and the representation of that is through what we're trying to accomplish, you know, within the local community and the bear community as a whole through our interactions with things that are good, true and beautiful. Yeah. I just love it so much. Well, thank you for all your efforts out there. Like I just, uh, can't wait to oh, go really? back and check out, check out what you guys have done, uh, next year. So, all right, Adam. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for hanging with me tonight. So I want to make sure, yeah. uh, uh, what, what, where can the people go to learn more? I've got here, let's, let's start with grateful harvest. So we got grateful harvest. If you guys need seeds, the only place to get them is gratefulharvestseeds.com. That's right. That's right. Gratefulharvestseeds.com. Um, anything that we can do to help, you know, we're in the process of, uh, of, you know, it's our first year in business. So we're in the process of scaling up, but we're small, which means that we're still accessible. So if you have any questions, you know, you're also able to actually reach out and get some answers. Cool. So we'd love to help anybody out there. Perfect. So, and then uh, for anybody that happens to be in the area, you know, we've got our farm as well. Cool. Cool. And then, uh, so you guys, the links to all this stuff is in the episode description. So yes, Adam, what a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Like I just, uh, hey, I feel, I feel inspired and motivated from here. So, uh, onward good. and I'm going to go crush and I hope you all right, too. brother. All right, man. Have a good one. Having me on. No problem. All right, you too. Peace. All right.